Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast. I'm ready once again to coach you in the Word. I'm talking about uh, why is the evidence of the Spirit essential. This is part three of this series, and I believe it will take one more session past this to get all of this information out there. Before I get started today, I want to remind you that you can contact me questions, concerns, uh, encouragement, conversation, any of those would be welcome. Mike Springston, FF, Mike Springston Ministries.com, Springston56 at gmail.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's Facebook messaging. We would love to hear from you. Of course, we're on Facebook every Sunday morning at 10.30 and every Sunday night at 6 o'clock under Family Fellowship Chapel's Facebook. We're on Lift Him Higher Radio uh, at various times during the day. If you're interested, go to www.lifthimhigherradio and our schedule uh, for our broadcast will be listed, listed there. We would love to have you join us through any of those mediums of uh, ministry. So let's look into why is the evidence of the Spirit essential. I want to remind you that we taught you the ESS system, Enlighten, Strengthen, and Engage. In our first session in this, we began the description of the ESS uh, material and the biblical uh, teaching on it in our second part. And we're moving forward with that teaching in our third part. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the word of God. Open our eyes that we can see, our ears that we can hear, and our heart that we can understand what the word of God is saying to us. And then allow us to apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Father, we thank you for the ability that we have to yield ourselves, surrender ourselves, and sanctify ourselves to the Spirit of God. We thank you, Jesus, that you speak and reveal through the Holy Spirit. We receive and release from the Holy Spirit the words of direction that you provide. Now, we will do it faithfully as you do so, and we'll give you praise and honor and glory for it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, our High Priest, our Lord, and our Man in the Godhead. All right, let's get started. So we've shared with you the basic steps that must be understood to ensure that we can remove ourselves from the natural man and move into the spiritual man. E-S-E, when understood, will transform your worship and subsequently transform your life. Now, some will not accept what I'm sharing with you because the idea of the fact that worship is meant to usher the worshiper into the Spirit is far removed from our modern-day worship system. We see worship as the lifting of our natural feelers, our mind, will, and emotion, and we have become satisfied with the performance style of services that are prevalent in our churches. You know those that have praise teams in dark settings that uh, where the praise team is the focal point it becomes almost a performance instead of a worship setting. Well, 
When we do this, we look like the world, we sound like the world, and naturally we then sing like the world. Again, the central question will, will, will never be, did we heighten the outward feelings of our audience? That's never the central question to why we worship. The central question will never be, did they respond with an outward show of approval? Nor will it be the reason or the purpose for worship. I was talking with a ministry friend of mine the other day concerning the development of the inner man, which I refer to as being enlightened in the inner man and then being strengthened uh, in your personality with Christ. And he immediately lit up after a few minutes of conversation and he said, I see it, I see it, I see it. I've been preaching to the wrong one. I said, what do you mean? He said, I've been preaching to the natural man and looking for a natural response. I've been expecting people to shout and jump and yell and dance and get the, the organ going and they would beat their feet to the beat of the organ. I, he said, I've been preaching to the wrong one. I've been expecting a natural uprising. He said, what I need to preach to is the uprising in the inner man. And I said to him at that moment, you got it. You have it. You have the answer to ministry. You have the answer to worship. You have the answer to preaching. It is the uprising of the spiritual man. It is that man that is eternal. And it is that man that must be transformed. So in that ministry, we must understand that our role in preaching, in teaching, in ministry of all kinds, in worship, is not to bring out an emotional response that has no spiritual significance. It is to bring out the spiritual response that causes man not to be transformed any longer to the world. Very critical information. The purpose of song, teaching, preaching, praying, or meditating then has to be that we move into engagement with an engagement in the Spirit. It is to give into the hev- to get into the heavenly conversation where we and the Holy Spirit are speaking with Jesus Christ, our man in the Godhead, and hearing from him according to Romans chapter 8, along around verse 26 through 28, 29. Only from here, and I'll deal with that a little more deeply as this study goes on. Only from here will we be transformed into an ability to walk in the Spirit while we navigate this world. That is the reason and purpose for the release of the Holy Spirit. He, the Holy Spirit, is meant to operate in each and every Christian. This is not something, my friend, that God has placed into the earth for some for the Pentecostals, for the Charismatics. God placed this in the earth to be released so that the Holy Spirit can not only govern the church, but He could govern you. This is critical. Consider this. He, the Holy Spirit, has operated in you for the purpose of becoming enlightened until you recognize the eternal presence of Jesus Christ in you. And he has brought you into a new inner spirit of life from that, that is the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus. And my friend, that's great. If you remain only in this enlightened eternal relationship, you will go to heaven. 
If you die before the rapture, yes, heaven belongs to you, and that's great. But while you live, my friend, in this enlightened only and eternal relationship, you're going to struggle with life. You're going to be troubled on every hand. You're going to become frustrated with yourself. And the question will be, you will begin to question the God in whom you have exposed your eternal side to. You'll wonder where is God? Why is God? Now, there, Paul went through all of these same kinds of things, except Paul understood who his God was. Paul said, none of these things move me, but they moved his flesh. But it wasn't his flesh of which Paul was talking about wasn't moved. He was not moved in the inner man. He was able to overcome the circumstances. You know why I know it? Because he said, I know how to abound when abounding is required. I know how to be abased when being abased is required. I also know that my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. Paul said, no matter what it is I'm in, whether it's great, whether it's bad, whether it hurts my flesh, whatever the case, I'm going to abound because I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have given to him against that day. Now, what day is that? Well, that day is today. That day is the day. Today is the day that I am living in this flesh wrapper. The day is the day whenever he appears and I'll be like he is. So we want to get ourselves in a position where we are living out of our inner man. Our inner man is strengthened in the personality, and then we can become engaged with the Holy Spirit. Now, remember this. The devil is like a roaring lion. He's seeking those whom he may devour. Now, what leaves us vulnerable to be devoured by the enemy? Where are are we vulnerable? Are we vulnerable in our inner man? Well, we've established that the inner man being enlightened is eternal. So the only place that we become vulnerable is whenever our mind becomes susceptible. We're under, we, we become unable to be aware of what, why, and how these attacks come. Paul said that these attacks come, now watch what Paul said in Ephesians 6. He said these attacks come through the wiles of the devil. Well, Paul uses the word wiles. What is a wile? Wile means that there is an inroad. Now, is that inroad into your eternal self? Uh-uh. That inroad is into your mind, my friend. So if we remain eternal, but do nothing to address the awareness of our mind, the place where the devil is attacking, the place where the wiles of the devil where the prince of the power of the air and the rulers of darkness and high places are attacking you, if we fail to have awareness in our mind of the personality of Jesus Christ and the seven spirits of God that bring through us the blossoming of the fruit of the Spirit into our outer world, then we will fall prey to the powers of darkness that operate in high places. Now, I want you to see this. Pay close attention here. There are many high places. There are many high places. The devil took Jesus to the highest place in Jerusalem. There are many high places. But for you and me, my, uh, my friend, the highest place in our life 
is the area that is just above your neck. If you go into a 15-story building and stand on the roof of the 15th or the 100th, or you fly in an airplane, the highest place is still going to be. That span between your neck and the top of your head. That's the highest place. That's where the devil wants to sit. That's where he's come to devour you. That's where he's come to cause you to have second thoughts, to walk in doubt, fear, and unbelief. He's going to operate in the wiles of your mind, in the inroads into your mind. He's going to operate in your head. So, you must strengthen the awareness of your spiritual mind, your spiritual will, and your spiritual emotions by utilizing the seven spirits of God to train your thinking. Being eternal without this development leaves us open and unguarded to the attack of the enemy. Now, I did not say that your eternal man would not one day potentially secure your place in heaven. I didn't say that. I said that the enemy is going to come and attack your mind. When he attacks your mind and you succumb to the sin that comes into your mind, well, what's going to happen now? You're going to get frustrated with it. You're going to look to see where is God. You're going to begin to do little sneaky things that you think God's not seeing. Now someone is going to say right here, Pastor, do you think that you can backslide and walk out on God? Uh, yes, I do. Many teach you that you can't, but I do, and I'll tell you why I do. Because I know that you cannot serve two masters. When your mind begins to break down and succumb to sin, you open back into your inner man the place, the rooms, the storage, the areas, the living quarters of the enemy. Now, remember, inside of you, you are eternal. You are as eternally damned as you are is eternally alive. But the thing that makes you eternally alive is the fact that you've believed on the Son, Jesus Christ. And because you have believed on the Son, Jesus Christ, you have been named as a child of God and righteous by Him. Now, your service, your following the commands show that you love Him. On the other hand, there is the eternal side of you that, is, that could have been damned and can be damned and condemned. Jesus said himself, there are going to be many of you that are going to say to me, Lord, Lord, and he's going to say, I never knew you. You are eternal internally. You're either going to be eternally blessed and kept and saved. You're either going to eternally be blessed to live in heaven with everlasting life in the, uh, under the shadow of the wing of the one who died for you, or you're going to be eternally damned. Now, the separator there, is going to come from how you handle, prepare, how you live your life through your thought processes, through your brain, because that's where the devil is attacking you. He is not attacking you in your inner man. Your inner man will only respond to what your brain tells it to respond to. If you give space to the devil, what did the Bible say? Do not give place to the devil. Where are you giving place to him? In your mind and in your inner man. So you must be aware of what the enemy is trying to do. Now, 
It is in your head that all of this is unfolding according to Paul in Ephesians chapter 6. So you have to strengthen the awareness of your spiritual mind. You do that through the seven spirits of God. Being eternal without this development leaves us open and unguarded to the attack of the enemy. Now we have been enlightened to our eternal relationship because we have come into the righteousness that Jesus Christ has made us to be. And we have allowed the seven spirits of God to be upon us, to be strengthened, uh, strengthening us so that we operate in the personality of Christ from the inside out. The world identifies our transformation because our words and our deeds are all done in the correct name with the correct thanks and all attributed to our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Colossians 3.17. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So, the process becomes a matter of proper giving and receiving. Because if your offering is wrong, now watch what I'm saying here. If your worship is wrong, if your uh, the where the worship is proceeding from is wrong, if the reason for your worship is wrong, if the direction and object of your worship is wrong, if any of these are inaccurate or incomplete, it stands no chance of accomplishing the desired effect of worship, of honor, of praise, of glory. So, what happens in our modern day churches? People come as they are, and they leave as they were, frustrated, unmoved, and disassociated with truth. All of the while, Jesus Christ has provided avenues of answers and told us the person that would bring the answers. My friend, our focus is misplaced. It's misguided. It's off, if you will. We would rather focus on the beat rhythm and find the comfort that is in the way we worship than to focus on the message and get into the spirit to allow Jesus Christ, our man in the Godhead, to speak truth directly to us and to the very core of our need. Now watch what Ephesians 3.20 said. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that, wait on it, worketh in us. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. 3.20, what a great thing. It brings us to the knowledge that a power is working in us that is greater than our natural power. It is not by the work of the flesh or by my intellect that I come into this place. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit that allows me now to engage with the Holy Spirit. What brought me to this point? Well, our personality has evolved into the expression of love. That's what 319 of Ephesians tells us. That is flowing from us to the Father as if it were the love of Jesus Christ himself. Then we are prepared at that point to be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, now, now is when the evidence becomes critical. Why? 
Because we move from enlightenment, we move out of being strengthened into active engagement. 1 Corinthians 4.14, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. We become engaged with the Spirit. We begin to pray in the Spirit. We become a part of the heavenly conversation. The Holy Spirit begins to minister on our behalf. We begin to minister with the Holy Spirit. The will of God begins to pronounce Himself. Jesus Christ will do at this point what He said He would do when He said the Holy Spirit would not speak of Himself, but He would speak what He hears. Now you come into the position where you can begin to minister and manifest the things that you are hearing and the things that you are seeing into your life. This is where our praise and worship has to go. It has to be the focus. Jesus Christ and walking in the Spirit has to be the objective for us to be that will allow us to be changed, transformed, and disengaged from our soulish realm. If it does not, then we remain in an area, our mind, that is conformed to the world attacked by the wiles of the the devil, and is giving place to the enemy. Why do we need to speak in tongues to know that we have reached this position? Because as I mentioned, there are two other states that one can be operating from. The problem with those states is that they have no ability to hear from Jesus Christ directly concerning the things that you require to meet And supply every need. Now the fruit of the Spirit is in your internal. It is an expression of how you deal with an external world through the personality of Christ. Galatians 5, 22 through 25 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. So therefore, they are living out of themselves, the blossoming of the fruit of the Spirit. They are living out of themselves. Read these, and you'll see each of these affect how we see our outer world through the personality of Jesus Christ. We expect each of these, we express each of these towards others. Now look at verse 25, because we're going to see a transition occur here. Listen to the word. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we live, if we are eternal, and our personality reflects Christ Jesus, we are strengthened in our inner self, in our personality. Then because of those two things, let us engage in the Spirit. Let us walk in the Spirit. Do you see it? Life in the Spirit Do you see it? Let us also walk in the Spirit. But when the transition comes, it comes from living in the inner man in the Spirit to walking in the outer man, being engaged with the Spirit so that the Spirit can lead you and guide you into truth, reprove you, encourage you, give you peace, joy, the Spirit of truth, the glory of God, show you things to come, give you what to speak. All of the magnificent blessings of the Holy Spirit are produced from your engagement. So man's personality is strengthened for one reason, 
for the purpose of walking now in the Spirit. If we're to walk in the Spirit, my friend, then we must be engaged in the Spirit. From this engagement, we receive edification. In other words, we are built up in our mind. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us the words of Jesus Christ, and we are strengthened to reflect a better moral and a more virtuous status. We are strengthened by this engagement. So speaking identifies the process of being yielded. Listen to the words in, the, in James. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. So what's he saying here? He's saying that speaking is a process that if done appropriately, you will be able to control the whole body. Behold, he said, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth, even so, even so, the tongue, although it's a little member, and boasteth great things, behold how great a matter that little fire can kindle. Why? Because it's either going to speak out of one of two natures. It's going to speak out of the nature of the natural man, the words of the natural man. And in most cases, that natural man's words are going to agree with the inner part of him that is non-redeemed, but eternal, and going to say things that are in opposition to the word of God, that fulfill his own lusts, that fulfill what he sees, that fulfills what he has pride in. Now that man can kindle a great fire against himself there. But by the same token, the redeemed tongue who understands his eternal relationship to the righteousness of Jesus Christ as being a joint heir with him and a son of God and understanding that he is as eternal today as Jesus Christ is with the knowledge of everlasting life in the portals of glory and the glory of God to surround him, that same tongue, and being a little member, can boast great things from the spirit world, and it can make a great fire occur out of that same spirit world. It can begin to speak things that come from Jesus Christ. It can begin to speak the things the Holy Ghost is revealing, it can receive them and release them into the world. And the tongue, James said, is a fire. It can be a world of lawlessness. So is the tongue among the members that it defileth the whole body. And it can set on fire the entire course of, watch his word, nature. And when it does, that tongue brings about the nature of the hell of fire. For every kind of beast and of every bird and of the serpents of the things in the sea is tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But the tongue, the tongue can be tamed by no man. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith, bless we God. Watch it now, watch it now. Remember I told you, inside of us there are two eternal things and unless we redeem it and destroy it, the concept and actions of the evil one, 
and place in our mind the mind of Christ through the seven spirits of God. Verse 9, Therewith bless we God, even the Father, therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God out of the same mouth, proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, my brethren, these things ought not be so. These things ought not. So what's he saying? He's saying that if you will get your heart, your inner man correct, enlightened, and get your uh, soul correct, strengthened by the power of the seven spirits of God, you will stop doing both blessing and cursing, and you will begin to live in blessing and to live in benefit. My brethren, he said, this double-edged tongue ought not be you can engage with the Spirit of God and bring about the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, discernment of spirit, faith, healings, miracles, tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecies, and you can express the way God thinks, the way God acts, and how God does things, how God speaks. You can do that if you will engage with the Spirit. Listen what he said in verse 11. Doth a fountain send forth from the same place both sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs? So can no fountain, no fountain, yield both salt water and fresh. Who now is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works, and with meekness of wisdom. What's he saying? He's saying that we can engage in the spirit world and through our own tongue, we can become a blessing. If we take care of our internal side, our enlightened there, if we take care of our spiritual soul and teach it through the seven spirits of God, then what happens from there? We can engage from our own tongue. How do we do it, Pastor? How do we do it? We simply yield, my friend. We simply turn it over. Listen to what he said in verse 17. But the wisdom that is where? From above. It's from above. The thing that's going to transpire when you use enlightenment, eternity, your eternal side, when you strengthen your personality side, and when you engage your tongue is going to begin to speak a wisdom that is from above. It is pure because it's being spoken by a man in the Godhead. What does it produce? According to James, it produces a peaceableness, a gentleness. It's easy to be entreated. It's easy to take in. It's easy to understand. It's full of mercy. Got great fruit to it. It's without partiality. That means it's for everybody to engage with. And it has no hypocrisy in it. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Now, stop a second and let's look into tongues and talk about that elephant that's always in the room. That's where we're going next time. Father, I thank you for the word of God. Bless your people. Open our eyes that we can see this. Bring it to us. Let us apply it to our lives. We'll give you the praise and honor and glory for all of it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. May God bless you as you look into his word. Enlighten yourself with the fact that you're eternal. Strengthen yourself with the seven spirits of God as Jesus did. And then engage with the Holy Spirit. That was the purpose for the entire experience 
in Acts chapter 2 and the book of Acts. That we could experience, live in, and walk in the Spirit. But before we could walk, we had to learn to live by the Spirit of Christ that's in the inner man. May God bless you until we speak again.